With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise Podcast. I have a special guest tonight, uh, a guy who we just talked to each other about how we've known each other for 15 years, and uh, this Zoom-ish call is the first time we've ever seen each other. So uh, (laughs) joining me is uh, Andrew Lawrence. Drew is a freelance writer. He's written for Sports Illustrated, The Guardian, The Atlantic, The Athletic. I've heard of that. The Dallas Morning News, The Associated Press, Fortune, Southern Living, Austin Monthly, Complex, Cookie, BET.com, ESPN.com, and The Classical. He is based in Beaufort, South Carolina. And you can find him on the Twitters at by underscore Drew. So welcome. Thank you. Good uh, Good to be here. So I think right now most people can find your stuff on The Guardian. Right? Is that the place you write the most? That's yeah, most regularly I'm I'm there. And you snark you, snarking away. And you write about all kinds of stuff like uh like F one and Yeah. Uh and you wrote a thing about the nineteen oh four St. Louis Olympics. That just <laughs> I was just crazy. So I want to talk about that in a minute, but I thought you could be my Olympics expert. Okay. Oh you boy. just have to. Yeah. All you have to do is be uh, smarter about the Olympics than me, which is not a <laughs> not a high uh, bar to clear. Uh, so the Olympics actually have started. They started this morning. Yeah. When I woke up, the uh, women's soccer team had already lost. Um, but the opening ceremonies. And the softball team is playing now. I think. Oh. And uh, yeah, America versus Canada. I think um, if uh, if my uh, Olympic channels here are correct and uh, I think that's they're just starting and uh, I didn't realize um, that they are actually playing in Fukushima I thought they were just like opening Fukushima up to just sort of show the world like hey we've recovered from the um, from the uh, nuclear disaster not yeah. like come play uh, you know uh, come play on isotope field <laughs> that's right. this is like a totally uh, it's a total surprise. So. Come see our three-eyed fish. <laughs> right. Like you thought the COVID was going to be the problem. Well, check back with us in five right. years. The COVID can't yeah. kill you if the radioactive fish get you first. Never, yeah. It's really, it's, it's a brilliant plan. It really is. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the opening ceremonies are Friday morning, our time, Yeah, I believe. Yeah. So if anybody needs their bearings about the uh, Olympics. So uh, these obviously are the... So are they trying to pass? Are these the 2020 Olympics? Are we doing the Euro thing like it was the 2020 yes. Euro in 2000? Yeah. Is it because they, they already are... had the medals made and they just didn't want to have to like scratch a one onto them? 
I would have respected that more if they were like, <laughs> I know we spent seventeen billion dollars on branding, but uh, I need you. You know, we need like our whiteout and Sharpie team to uh, to go out and just like scratch ones into everything that that's ending in a zero. No, they're they're still the twenty twenty Olympics, even though. Yeah, that that time has passed. Oh, that's great. Um, so obviously they got postponed an entire year because of because yeah. uh, of COVID, and now I think COVID is actually worse in Japan no, than it was worse. last year. It's much much worse in the world. We got uh, three spinoffs, and last I checked, I think a third, less than a third of their population is vaccinated because they they fumbled their rollout even worse than we did if that if you can even imagine that um and then i was reading a uh, a michael rosenberg piece of i guess the first piece he's done from tokyo and he's like yeah if you're uh, if you're an essential worker which i guess the media technically qualifies as uh, you can skip the whole like quarantining for two weeks thing and just like get to work. But they're like, you know, certain zones within the Olympics where reporters can go, but there's still like a gathering in mass there. <laughs> so uh, it's yeah, it's it's only a matter of time before, uh, you know, 70 cases yeah. become 700, become 7000. Well, you know. So Zach Levine just finally got to leave for Tokyo today. He got cleared. Yeah. Uh, Coco Goff can't compete because she tested positive. Nobody's sure if she's vaccinated or not. Yeah, um, yeah we're just going to continue to see this stuff. Bradley Beal's out. That's right. Uh, the finalists are going over today, so... Uh... We'll see what they catch on the way, uh, on the, what they caught on the way to, uh, yeah. through that, like, um, that 80,000 deep mob in Milwaukee to the airport. Uh, um, so yeah, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be real interesting, uh, to see how cases sort of affect competition. Somebody pointed out that must be a fun flight for Devin Booker to be flying yeah. out with Middleton yeah. and Drew Holiday and have them go, oh, sorry, sorry, do we still smell like champagne? I'm sorry. Right, yeah. Sorry. God, these clothes, yeah. I, I change, but... <laughs> <laughs> but I checked my bags. You do you... Devaney, would you like a t-shirt and a hat? No, no not. <laughs> Knock it off. Or they could be real dicks and, like, show them the, the Suns Championship uh, shirts and hats that... Yeah. Uh, that are like, like we saved one before they shipped we shipped them to Zimbabwe. <laughs> you know, you can have one. Just you know, but it's yours. You can't you can't tell anybody else that you have this. Yeah. Well yeah, I'm a guy who uh it's funny, I grew up in uh you'd you'd go into random friends' basements and their dad would have like a nineteen eighty four Cubs NL champions pennant. Those things <laughs> made it everywhere. Even though right. <laughs> And for a long time, that's all we ever had. So that was great. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, obviously, this the Olympics have become more. It's it's not news to anybody. They're just they're a huge TV show, and yeah. nothing makes it more obvious that it's a huge TV show than well, we're not going to be able to have fans there, and we're not even the the competitors. We're not going to let their families come over. Right? Uh, should we do this? Well, yes, because we need to cash the. TV. In fact, we've probably already cashed the TV checks, so right. we don't want to refund that. 
Right. And not only that, like the Olympic Village becomes, you know, luxury condos on like Oct- on yeah. like August 14th. So we, you know, even if we wanted to do it in 20, uh, 2022, we couldn't because it'd be a totally different facility. Yeah, they they've just uh, screwed the pooch like 17 yeah. different ways by uh, by going through it with this. So if you if you and yet I feel like there might have been a point during covid where they were like if we stop now we can we can like you know we can snatch the bleeding like we can recover like these are the minimum number of losses that we'll take if we just say we're not going to do it and then some politician was like but we have to do it uh and then it became like you know point of no no return and it does. It seems crazy that of all the countries that have botched this, that it would be Japan. They just yeah. they feel like they would have their shit together. I mean, right. I had to sit through uh, one of the places I worked. I had to sit through like eight hours of Toyota Kata training, where they t- taught you how to be the most efficient worker you possibly could. I yeah. would not have expected that they couldn't manage to get everybody vaccinated in time. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I would. I would have thought they would have had a very nice an orderly system for doing it. It's like as easy as uh, buying a car, which apparently is like a, uh, a valet service there where like somebody comes up to your house. Like you don't even go into a dealership. Some guy comes up you up to you and you, you know, just it's kind of like how I guess we've sort of made uh, car purchasing with like car, Carvana and services yeah. like that. They had that like in the eighties. Um, so yeah, I just assumed like, hey, do you want to, you know, something comes in the mail and they check yes. And then, you know, two days later, a guy shows up at their door and, you know, gives them like the valet, uh, the valet uh, server. They can get the shot right in their living room. And then, you know, he comes back like a month later and then it's done. But apparently. I mean, I would have thought I, they'd I have, they'd have people in those weird, like anime um, yeah. costumes. <laughs> Just running around jabbing random people on the sidewalk and giving them giving them a sticker. Yeah. Um. Actually, I I've been trying to buy a PlayStation Five and I can't get one, and so I I kind of feel like that's a fair trade off. I, if I can't get a PlayStation Five, you guys can't have fans at anything at the Olympics. It's gonna make it feel better. It's gonna seem really weird considering now that we're we're just used to having people at sporting events again. And now yeah, we're going to go back yeah. to two weeks. And of we've them. only had them back for like a month. Yeah. And it's still like so, such a drastic change. Like uh, even just like the finals, watching the finals this year versus like, I cannot believe we just like accepted LeBron getting a trophy in an empty gym yeah. last year. We were like, this is really, this is historic. It's like, no, no, not what now. It's like, you know, cut to you know, 80,000 people outside of like the Milwaukee uh, stadium, uh, uh, Pfizer form, in addition to the full arena. And it's like, yeah, that, yeah, that is how it used to be. Yeah. Yeah. My wife saw the scenes from that last night and went, how many of those people do you think are vaccinated? I'm like, this is try to, try to, you're not there. Don't worry about it. Just suspend disbelief. Fire super spreader. Yeah. Especially in Wisconsin. Yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe the uh, – I haven't done tests on this, but it could be that the residue, the any of the beer or any of the deer urine that they still have on their current right, clothes, yeah. that may counteract it. That may that mm-hmm. that may find out that everybody was safe because of that, if you can put well, up with the smell. It, it should at least enforce some, like, post-championship social distancing, but I don't know. So I wonder if you 
So if you bought one of the condos that currently is the Olympic Village, do you get the cardboard bed? Do they, they leave that for you? <laughs> I just wrote a column for tomorrow on uh, sex at the Olympics and how they're trying to stop, you know, the most happening hookup scene of the last 50 years. Yeah. And they're just like, we're, yeah, you know, we're totally just, we're going to give you like, I mean, it's like they're giving out 160,000 condoms and saying, take these home to show other people how to uh, practice safe sex. And it's just like four years ago, Rio gave away like half a million of these things to the point where they had like a guy with a clear bag full of condoms walking around that you could just stop and say and just like reach in and grab a fistful. Like this is the population that we're talking about. And it's like, really? You expect these people to have sex? You think a bed is going to deter like the 20th best gymnast in the world from finding a way to hook up with like the 16th best archer? Like, come on. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny when they showed that. All I could think of was uh, I don't know if you've seen um, the second season of I Think You Should Leave, but it's it's a it's a coffin flop situation where somebody's <laughs> gonna lay on that thing and roll over just wrong in the middle of the night alone, and just <laughs> they're gonna find out that someone someone injured themselves and can't compete in their event because their cardboard bed broke. They're gonna be like, honest, I swear I was by myself. It would have been yeah. more fun the other way, but I was alone. Um. So, one of the things, there was a huge story a few weeks ago, two weeks ago, I, I had time means nothing to me. Yeah, I know. It's um, yeah. When, wow. uh, when Shikari Richardson uh, failed the drug test for uh, the, the noted performance enhancer, marijuana. Marijuana, yes. So now... We've all taken it and just... I've, never, I've never run faster the, uh, yeah. than when... <laughs> It's amazing. I, I of course, I it's... ran so so fast. It felt like I was sitting down. <laughs> That's right. Uh... I ran. I ran all the way around the world, and I was got immediately back to the same spot on the couch that I was laying. Um. So it's it's crazy to me. I, clearly, the issue is why is that on the list? Yeah. Uh, why has that not been taken off the off the banned list? It it did not surprise me though that. Um, I think in this case it's still because it was the at the trials it was still USADA that was in charge of this. Yeah. So I have a friend who uh, was a drug test facilitator for USADA, and there would be places she would go where the athletes were going to be male, where she needed someone to go by and observe. They someone had to go with her to observe. I did that on several. Yeah. I still oh, have wow. a USADA okay. polo shirt that I had to wear. Wow. Um, I will tell you that if this was probably. Um, Somewhere in the between 1998 and 2000, if you were a long track uh, speed skater who competed in Milwaukee, mm. chances are you could you you could have broken out the Wizenator when I was because I was I wasn't I I just couldn't I couldn't pay that much attention I just right. couldn't yeah. it's like all right, all right let's go into the thing the thing that was the biggest pain in the ass for, for more for the athletes than for me was. So the, the way it works is they some people are just randomly picked, and then some people are assigned by where they finish in the race. 
It's all, it's to keep it so nobody really knows if you're going to get tested or not. Right, right. So they, you know, I don't know how long it takes to do one of these races, but they're exhausted and dehydrated when they're done. And then it's like, oh, and Andy here needs to go watch you pee. Right. And they're like, well, I don't have to pee. And then the one thing they can't do is you can't just like drink a bunch of Gatorade because we had to do two things. Number one was had to observe them, but then she had to check and make sure she could do a quick check to see if the sample was too diluted to be good. Right. And if it was, right. then they'd have to wait around uh, for another one. The uh, even, even creepier than that was a couple of times I had to go out with it where we did surprise visits to their, to, we had to just find them. And yeah. do it, and so they literally had to fill out like a diary of where they were, where they expected to be, because once we showed up, they had an hour to get there. They didn't have to be able to whiz within an hour, but they had to be there within an hour, or it was a failed right. test. If you skip it, that's right. treated as a skip test. So we'd be like, you know, it going to the, the Milwaukee suburbs, and you know, ringing a doorbell, and then this sheer panic. Oh my God, he's at the movies. And she's like, well, I hate to tell you this. We're going to have to, we're going to have to go get them. And then they'd have to, it was just, it was terrible. She told the story about, um, she was at the 96 Olympics in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And the cool parts of it were she got to just, because she was there and working there, she got to meet dream team Two. Like she got, she showed me pictures of her with Charles Barkley and all that stuff. They weren't testing at the time. Charles was fully clothed. Mm -hmm. Um, but she got assigned um, an athlete from the marathon, and once she once the once that person finished the marathon, Susie had to shadow her until she could actually produce a sample. So the marathon, I don't know, the marathon. Obviously, they run in the morning. It probably should probably be done by ten o'clock in the morning. It was like yeah. six o'clock in the morning the next day before. I mean, she'd run a marathon. She couldn't right, manage. Yeah. And oh, Susie right, had to yeah. go to her. Susie had to go with her to her room. Had to stay. The, she wanted to go to sleep. So Susie had to be in the room with her while she slept because you can't lose contact with the person because oh, who, who knows what they could do, you know, once they're out of sight. So everybody was going through this thing about, well, I can't believe they won't just change this thing. I'm like, well, that is an organization that loves the most complicated rules they can possibly inflict yeah. upon people. So it really yeah. didn't surprise me. There's no getting out of it. If, if marijuana is on the list, there's no way you're going to get around that. It doesn't matter. It shouldn't be on the list, but it is for some right. ridiculous reason. Well, the ridiculous reason is that it's political, of course, because everything's political. And, yeah. and I guess that, uh, you know, as uh, the United States was helping to fund and to build WADA, one of their prime objectives was to this like in the middle of the uh, or I guess in the tail end of the war on drugs and how they wanted to really use like Olympic athletes as like exemplars for you know clean living and even though like nobody within the uh, scientific drug testing community was pushing for to put marijuana on the banned substance list the U.S. insisted on putting it there as like a political reason to show that, you know, to, to basically to discourage kids from using it recreationally. That's, that's just great. Which brings it totally full circle to a woman grieving the loss of her yeah. biological mother and needing something, uh, you know, to uh, 
to settle uh, the nerves from that blow and ends up using it. And like, I, it's, it's hard not to sympathize with her. Yeah, and absolutely. also sort of be critical of the fact that like this, you know, you have, this is the one thing you, you can't use. Um, but at the same time to come back around and be like, why the hell is this still, is this still on the list? It's ridiculous. And the fact that you're like, competing in Oregon where it's, you know, not only legal, but a thriving industry, uh, now, um, and being decriminalized all over the country. But, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I, uh, I feel bad for, um, but I also don't totally buy the notion that, you know, this is like a lost gold medal for the United States because, you know, like Jamaica is still, their team is still like, loaded <laughs> and uh you know including maybe, like maybe literally know, were, yes and i feel like some of that was uh you know some of the, the marijuana um uh legislation is like kind of aimed at countries like jamaica where that's sort of like a, a known uh a very much a known commodity but um but yeah it's just it's just a weird it's just a weird rule. One of many weird sort of arcane things that this, you know, that the, uh, the Olympic organizers and authorities are sort of still clinging to, despite, you know, many easier and smoother ways of like doing things like the, even like the, um, you know, drug testing, like, how is that not, how is it still done like that after all these years? How is there not like some, you know, neater cleaner way of you know being able to execute that without it being creepy as hell it's it was incredibly creepy it was creepy for <laughs> it was creepy for me and that's all i'm really worried about it was creepy for the athletes um yeah it's and i i, I said i'm let me i'm gonna call dick pound and we're gonna we're gonna sort this out and um, yeah. she said, no, you can't call Dick Pound. Um, I said, I just want to because I just like to say Dick Pound. Yeah. He was ch- for you people just, who don't know that, that was the guy's actual name. He was in charge of the, uh, the U.S. Anti-Doping Association. I just want to be able to call a switchboard and say, get me Dick Pound. <laughs> get me Dick Pound. Stat. No, like, no, no. Andy, is that you again? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. So I've had this. I have all kinds of good ideas. And uh, no one listens to my good ideas, so I'm going to run one by you. Now, one of the things, Please. we have problems, we, as if I'm one, um, Juan Antonio Samaranch or whoever. I don't know who's in charge of the Olympics. Now, he's been dead for like 20 years. Uh, it's uh, He just got in trouble. I can't think of his name. Of course, uh, they all get in trouble. Come to me. So anyway. Uh, because he called the Japanese Chinese in his latest remarks, and uh, he said a bunch of other stuff. And, why, would you, uh, why would you know uh, which country you're going to that's paying you? Uh, I don't know, several, I don't know how many billions of dollars. But yeah, you, you shouldn't, yeah. Be able, shouldn't be able to actually get the country. You, should, you shouldn't have to get the country name right. That's that's too far. That's Yeah, that's that's uh, that's way too, that's way too big an ass. Thomas Bach, that's who it is. That's right. I did know that. Yeah. So one of the one of the issues they've had, and it's, I think they have it more with the Winter Olympics than they do with the Summer Olympics, is finding a city that's willing to host it. And that's why they end yeah. up, like the Winter Olympics... Um, which now are next year, yeah, are in Beijing. Yeah. Now, I don't know a lot about geography. I 
don't have, I don't think like ski resorts. And when no. I think of Beijing, also they just had an Olympics. Right. Um, where they had to pretend that they weren't uh, doing uh, human rights violations everywhere, and then they built all these temporary buildings that they this, that they right. tore down. Buildings out of paper afterwards. that have just blown away, and yeah. Um, but the bird's nest, we got to get one more good use out of out of the bird's nest, and who knows if we'll be having people there. Yeah, I mean it's not it's not that far off, and uh, I'm yeah. pretty sure. I think they had a few COVID cases in China. I think they yeah, did. I think they I, might I, have think had I, I think I did hear about that. Yeah. Um, so I think one of the one of the problems is, and, and we found this out when Chicago was trying to get an Olympics, and they had these grand plans. Oh, well, all we need to do is we need to build this, and we need to build this, and we need to build this, yeah. and then we're going to turn this we into really, that. We really dodged the bullet there, didn't we? Remember, yes. it was like they lost that bid, and then Obama won the Nobel Peace Prize like within hours of that uh, going <laughs> sideways. It was the weirdest. It was the weirdest, like, 36 hours, I think, of his early presidency. They were going to build, like, a, like, oh, a wow. temporary stadium on the lakefront that was for the opening and closing ceremonies and the track and field and all that. Just, just yeah. ridiculous amounts of money. I guess somebody, they had to build a velodrome somewhere. Ex- we expand have one of those. the subway system, I think, was, like, a big uh, thing. They're like, no, no, this will be good. Like, the L's been needing these upgrades for a while. Yeah, this is the only way we but, could possibly do it is to have the Olympics. <laughs> It's like, uh, right. yeah. yeah, I think if you wanted to fix the L, you got to fix the fucking L. Um, right. <laughs> I don't think you need the Olympics <laughs> for that. Yeah. Um, why does the, why do the Olympics have to be in a single city? Yeah. Why can't a country host I, the Olympics where you already have the stuff? Now, I know it would kind of, some of the traditions obviously would get, well, though traditions this year are getting blown away. Like, it, it used to be until this year that when you had an opening ceremony, there were actually people there. And they got to watch right. instead of marching through yeah. an empty stadium. Um. See, that would be like the thing. It's like, well, if they're scattered all over the country, what are the opening and closing ceremonies going to look like? I don't know. Maybe you can do them different. How about that? Uh, that might be yeah. something you could do. Because it's just, there are plenty of countries that could easily host these every four years without having to go to the expense of building all this extra crap. But right. it's not that easy to find cities that can do it, or at least cities that can do it who are willing to do it. Yeah. Um, so what we've got, Paris is in 24. LA is 28. Um, so they don't have to worry about this for a while, but that's just, that was my little idea. It's like, all right, stop with the narrow thinking. And those weren't even bids. They just said, you know what? We're not even going to bother with that whole process. Let's just pick two towns that we know can handle it. Basically. Uh, But I'm with you. I feel like they should, you know, they, if they are going to, if you're going to bring it back to Greece, you should have just made Greece Olympic land. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, have it be a place where, the world converges every uh, every you know every two years or whatever, and um, and just have the whole thing there, like the I you know bankrupting one country after another, taking this thing on the road is just like why. <laughs> so yeah, so eighty four was supposedly this uh, that was going to be the, the Olympics to turn it around because L.A. turned a profit supposedly. Yeah. And then Peter Uberoth got to be the commissioner of baseball after that, and they screwed that up. Um, but yeah, what we they find out it's it's like anything else in sports. Like, oh, we need to build a new stadium on our 
riverfront slash lakefront slash whatever your body of water is. And then, right. oh, my God, just the economic impact is going to be in the trillions. Oh, it's going to bring so oh, many Oh, my jobs. God. How, you're, uh, you're a moron if you don't do this. In fact, honest, let's build right. three stadiums. Let's just build them right next to each other. Right. It'd be great. And then, of course, they build them, and then everybody's like, oh, you know, oh, that's we didn't meet any of our projections. Well, that's too bad. But we look, we got the stadium that we soaked the taxpayers right. for. And then 20 years later, can we have a new stadium, yeah. please? Oh, this one's old. We can't. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like the Texas Rangers. Um, built a brand new stadium right next to the old one. Yeah. They just sit there next to each other. And it's like, which one's the new one? <laughs> they both yeah. look nice. It's like, yeah, because that one wasn't that old. They should have yeah. put, put a roof on the first one, but they didn't need to build an entire stadium just because, like, yeah. nobody knew that it got hot in Texas in the summer. Yeah. They hadn't been playing baseball yeah. there for 50 years before they built that stadium. But Yeah. They didn't even they didn't even pioneer dome stadiums in the state of Texas. It was like a totally right. new and, and uh, a, different idea. A roof? No, that would that's, yeah. that's impossible. No, can't do it. Yeah, the Astrodome. They were still doing. The Astros have been long gone, and they were still selling tours of the yeah. eighth wonder of the world. Come see the <laughs> Astrodome. The eighth wonder of the world wouldn't even uh, couldn't even uh, like house a Houston Texans uh, practice. Right now, you know, it's just like when you think of like the um, like the Dallas Cowboys practice facility, which is like, you know, nicer than most, you know, college football stadiums. And then they go to and then they actually play their games at some other place that's, you know, gargantuan. It's like they play the uh, they play some of the Texas high school playoff games in the star. And then but of course, they don't play the championships there. They have to play that in the Jerry Dome. Because right. you know it's a championship game, we can't play it in this perfectly sized stadium that we've been playing these other games in. We need to go into the <laughs> hundred and ten thousand seat stadium. And I know they get big crowds for Texas high school football, but it's still ridiculous that they, yeah. they feel the need. They're not getting a hundred thousand for a Texas uh, high school football game or a championship. I They're don't not. Think. No, I want watched... to see Jerry's grandkid, uh, you know, slinging around the ball yard. Wasn't it like he had a kid that was? Yes. Uh, like a really good quarterback for a while. What is his name? Of course, he's got he's Texan. He's got two names. It's like John something Jones, I think. Yeah. Yeah, he was supposed to be. He was supposedly good. Um, I don't know where he signed. A and M somewhere like that. Yeah. So this these Olympics, the ones that have um, that are actually going on as we speak. Um, obviously, they're going to be they're going to be weird. The one of the things I'm interested in is. NBC's coverage of it. You know, I'm sure we're still yeah. going to get, they had time to send everybody out and do the, the amber hued tinkly music stories about yeah. uh, what this person overcame, but they can't over the, you can't ignore COVID. Yeah. It's a huge, it's a huge part of the Olympics. The Olympics were postponed for a whole year. There's obviously there's athletes who had it, who are still, you know, feeling effects of it. But the other thing is yeah. they, as much as this is the, already going to be the COVID Olympics, they can't, it, everything can't be COVID. I mean, people right. who, start, who watch the human interest thing, after a while, they're like, all right, another one of these? Yeah. Plus yeah, the fact yeah. we've got, what, a good 40% of the country that doesn't think it's actually a, a thing. A thing. Yeah. yeah. So I, I would be interested to see what, how much they have to, you can't ignore it, but they also can't, like, dwell on it. Um, and I also feel bad. Where did they get to send, what, what kind of fun stuff did Mary Carrillo get to do? Everything's closed. I was just watching her, uh, her ra- uh, racquetball, not racquetball. Badminton. Uh, Badminton rant. Yes. Oh my Mary Carroll is a national treasure. So and good. Huh? They gave her, it was, that was from Athens. And, um, so good. 
they basically let her host the the late night show. And she had like three minutes to kill before they could send it to anything. And she went on this rant about how much recreational badminton sucks. And <laughs> and it was great. And she said it's afterwards that, the, that it was all off the top of her head. And it's amazing because it's such a well-constructed story. Clearly she yeah. told a version of that story to someone else before. And she, re- and she just yeah. embellished it. But it was really good. Um, yeah, so I, I saw that today, so I retweeted that, and then um, they linked to an old uh, to a, an old Deadspin, Deadspin 1.0 article about it, where Mary emailed them back an explanation of the story, and then at the bottom put, oh, oh by the way, did you, did you find my Zamboni thing from whatever the next Olympics was? And they found the video for that. It's also very funny. She's, she's interviewing the, it's in um, uh, whichever Winter Olympics were in Italy. Was that Torino? Oh, Turin, yeah. Turin. And um, not Gran Torino? Not, no, it's not the same uh, kind same, of same different. Yeah, same place. Same okay, place. good. You're, you're yeah. saying it the Italian way, I'm saying it the Merck. Well, I, you know, I'm obviously super Italian. Um, yeah. and she inter- so she's riding around on the Zamboni interviewing the Zamboni driver, who clearly has <laughs> been fed what his jokes are supposed to be, but it's still really, <laughs> it's still really funny. Um. <laughs> Yeah, so I've always I've always enjoyed Mary Carrillo, and uh, yeah, and this is the, the the one of her specialties is the they send her out to it's basically if um, they throw in the water and they see if she can swim. Yeah, uh, basically she goes to all the cliche things. Like if she was from a different country and the Olympics were in Seattle, she would have to do like three three minutes on catching the fish down at the right, yeah. she would have yeah, to do that. Yeah. Um, but they send her other words. And despite the fact that they give her these kind of rote things, she always delivers. Um, yeah. So we'll see how they use Mary. Uh, hopefully they hopefully they were able to send her out to do fun stuff before uh, Tokyo locked everything down again. Yeah. Um, it was really surreal to see. There were reporters who were sending out um, pictures of from their hotel room of what should be rush hour in Tokyo, and there was nobody. It was just like, nobody. it was exactly yeah. like we were back in March last year. Where there was just yeah. everybody's in their house. Um, man, it's just it's crazy to think that they waited an entire year and they're still um, they're still doing that. They're still doing it, and the country hates the idea even more than they did when uh, when COVID broke out. You know, it's just like all of these polls are just like, get this thing out! Like, why are we doing this? You're gonna kill all of us! And yeah. It's just like. You know, why do bad things keep happening to us? Like, go get this thing out of here. So, um, the, 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 uh, the men's basketball team did not get off to a great start during their tune-ups. No. Um, and part of it. I mean, the excuse you were going to use, we, I, I watched some of the games. They were, on NBC, they were on NBC Sports Network. And I was watching some of the games. And there were guys playing for them who I didn't know who they were. Yeah. The tip-off is, I don't know if this is a, still an Olympic thing. The, the men, the, our Olympic team still does it, where it used to be that you only got numbers 4 through 15. Mm-hmm. That's why, you know, that's why Jordan was 9 and Scotty was 8 and whatever. Right, um, yeah. We still do that. I, th- I, don't th- I think maybe everybody. I think it's still Olympic. I think everybody still does it that way. There was a tip-off yeah. when they're playing, and all of a sudden there's like number 45 playing for us. Mm. And it was because we didn't have our full complement of guys yet because some of them were still playing in the NBA playoffs. There were um, right. um, 
And so it's like, well, this isn't really the team. But it's like, yeah, but should we be losing <laughs> these tune-up games? Probably not. They still not. had Kevin Durant and yeah. Bradley Beal and, you know, like uh, some stud uh, players. And I don't know. Somebody made the point the other day that, like, uh, not only are other has like the world sort of caught up to uh, to the uh, to the U.S. Federation. I mean, you know what? Well, we just had like a Greek Nigerian, uh, you know, to win uh, win like a basketball triple crown. Um, but like, you know, every guy that we pick to be on, you know, USA Basketball is used to being the first or yep. second option on their team. And so when you're like asking a guy to just be available for a catch and shoot or to set a screen or to box out or whatever, that's like not part of the program. So it's like, you know, should we be loading these teams with all stars uh, in, when we're going into competition that's going to involve like more team play, more like group defense, more just sort of like collectivism instead of like, because uh, we can't get by just like, you know, blowing by, uh, you know, blowing by the rest of the world because, like, they're on those teams. They know their moves. They, you know, they're scouting you, uh, you know, day after day in the NBA. So you don't have that sort of, you know, you're not as good as us, and you you've never you've never played you never played against us before. Thing going anymore. So I wonder what I wonder what a workable alternative to that would be. One of the things I think of is so like when I was um, when I was playing little, little league baseball. Yeah. Uh, when I was like third, uh, there was our 13, 14 year old team. We qualified for the state tournament. We won our, we won whatever our little conference thing was called. And we qualified for the state tournament. And then we got to pick, we got to take four players off other teams in our league. And they joined our team to go down for the state tournament. We still, right. still got our ass kicked. One of my, one of my fondest memories of that was we picked this pitcher who we all hated. He was a dick. And we're like, why, why are we picking him? And so we're, we're playing our first game in Springfield and I'm playing third base, and he's pitching, and the second batter um, hits a home run that goes over the fence, across, over the fence of the house behind the field into their pool. <laughs> the very next pitch he throws, guy hits a, and the next guy hits a home run, and so I walked up to the, I, I walked up to the mound. Our manager was coming out to talk to him, and I said, "Well, at least that one didn't get wet." Um, we didn't really get along after that. So I wonder if one of the things you could do would be. Um, to take an existing NBA team and do yeah. that. Like, we're going to take, and I don't know how you would do this. If I was Bill Simmons, I'm sure, has given us a lot of thought. He could probably uh, tell. Like, you could take the teams. Um, like, you take the Warriors in their peak year. Well, and, I don't even know. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you could do that. You could, like, take the, you could just say, all right, we're going to take the NBA champions, and we're going we're gonna to reserve three spots on the roster, and they're going to get to pick other NBA players to fill out their roster to make them super unbeatable. They can, they can worry about guys who fit their style, who do whatever. And we'll just, we'll soup up this one team. Or it could be that you're like, okay, the NBA, by the time you win the NBA title, you're wiped. Yeah. So maybe we don't take, maybe if you don't make the conference finals, we have another little tournament and those teams are playing to be the Olympic team. So you didn't right. make the conference finals. You're not going to win the NBA title this year, but you can still do this cool thing where you win this little tournament of maybe four teams. You're going to be the Olympic team, and then you were going to pull a couple of other players from around the league to join your team and go over and kick ass. Right. It might not be. Yeah, yeah they no, should have just taken the Nets core and added, like, you know, 
four guys who can actually play or five guys who can actually play some defense yeah. and, uh, and mix and match rotations just based on that big three. That, I feel like, would have been plenty. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, like, does Bradley Beal fit playing alongside Kevin Durant as well as uh, Kyrie Irving does? I mean, I don't know. It just feels like, is Kyrie on the team? I don't even know. I haven't He's not. That. I don't, okay. But, like, you know, it just seems like, yeah, it, it should be a lot. I feel like they're overcomplicated. Well, and, we, and we even talked about it. So this year, this team... Three guys. The Olympics have the Olympics have technically started. We got yeah. three guys that this as of maybe right now are in the air, flying over there yeah. to join the team. Yeah. They haven't practiced with them. They haven't done anything. And, They're just so yeah. a quarter of the roster Who, is about as you to... noted is exhausted from yes. just having finished a six game series of finals series. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So and a quarter of our team has not actually arrived yet. They're just going to show yeah. up and uh, get uh, just incorporated right into it. It doesn't seem like yeah. the greatest thing. Now, I know, obviously, this year was it, is, is completely different than normal because the finals were so much later than they should be. Right. Typically, you're not going to run into this. Um, the other thing I've never understood is why basketball is a summer Olympic game. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you it's a winter the, sport, I guess. fall and uh, winter, yeah. Do you have to have – Is does ice have to be involved in it? Somewhere you have to freeze Ice some kind of snow. precipitation. Yeah. yeah, yeah, some kind of hardship. Yeah, because one of the things you could do, you could. Why don't they should they should flip hockey? They should make hockey a summer sport and make basketball. Um, that doesn't really work for basketball, as I was thinking. Actually, hockey would um, it would eliminate. Maybe they should just make hockey a summer sport because it doesn't matter when you play it. So then it's not being that tournament isn't being played in the middle of their season. Right. You could have you'd have a much better Olympic hockey tournament if it, you played that in the summer when the right. teams aren't all actually they don't have to stop their regular season to send everybody over to play because it's and then yeah guys don't have to leave early from other countries to yeah to join their teams because it always be it's there. a big deal every every time they renegotiate the CBA and the NHL as to what they're how they're going to handle the Olympics because yeah um, some some teams and some players want to go. Other teams and other players, some teams don't want their guys going over. They don't want, if they're going to get hurt in the middle of the season, they don't want them to get hurt playing for them. They don't want them getting hurt, right. you know, playing for free for some. Oh, they don't play for free, but they don't play for much. Um, yeah, not as much as they're getting paid by the NHL or in the NHL. So, I will. I will admit the these Olympics have kind of snuck up on me, and I feel yeah. like I don't know as much about the the competitors. Um, and did I see lacrosse is a sport now? Is an Olympic yeah. sport? And it's Olympic sport now, like in Tokyo. Yeah. Like, yeah. did they just like Surfing decide that like yesterday? Yeah. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it like seemed like they were, the, they were the like, X gamification, uh, continues with the Olympics. Yeah. Yeah. Lacrosse. I just, that's. Actually, I'm. I'm honestly, when I heard that, I'm like, isn't that wasn't that already one? I mean, we had we had team yeah. handball. We we didn't have lacrosse. Yeah. So team ham. It's a cliche. Team handball every year. It is kind. Of, it, that's the sport I will actually watch during the Olympics. I'm. I watch it like, oh, this is kind of. And it's one of those things. The same. I think people have the same conversation about like soccer. And it's like, what if we took, like our, especially for team handball. What if we took twelve NBA players. And for like two weeks, taught them how to play team handball, 
and then sent him over as our team. Yeah, um, that'd be cool. And it's the same. People talk about that with like soccer too, which would be, you know, <clears throat> some of our most of our elite athletes would be amazing soccer players. They just stop playing soccer. Yeah. When they're little kids, they get they get shoehorned into one other sport and they go play that forever. Um, yeah. I have no idea where I was going with any of that, but. Um, well, no, I like the idea of because that that you know apart from like super specialized things like swimming and gymnastics, the idea of you know a player you know and is from a certain sport doing a, a different thing. Like I was right as I was writing this thing today, I didn't realize that the um, the shirtless Tongan guy, uh, the Taekwondo guy, like competed in the Winter Olympics as like a cross country skier. That's cool. Yeah. Um, but it would be cool if like he'd come back, you know, like you get him in the Olympics and he's like doing, um, I don't know, uh, uh, water polo or I don't know, something that's just like, oh, wow, that guy, I know that guy from that other thing. Yes, yeah, so we've got the, um, I can't think of his name, the guy who played second base for the Marlins last year, who has been a speed skater and is going to play because oh, yeah, baseball's right. back. Yeah. So now he gets, he's already participated in a winter Olympics and now he's going to play in a summer Olympics. Yeah. Uh, the return of baseball completely caught me off guard too. I mean, it was such a huge deal when they dropped baseball and softball. Um, and then they bring it back and it's, I mean, it makes sense. They would bring him back for Japan. Japan loves baseball. Of course they'd want to have yeah. a baseball yeah, tournament. Yeah. But then it happens during the middle of the season, and so we've got, like, um, washed up um, guys hanging out. Like, Todd Frazier is on the – he, he got cut by the by the Pirates, like, two months ago, and now he's going to go play in the Olympics instead. That yeah. seems like a much better deal than having to play for the Pirates. Um, okay, so I teased this. One of the things I wanted to talk to you about was um, the article you wrote, the column you wrote on the 1904 – St. Louis Olympics, and I'll link to it when I put up the uh, when I post this, because um, you you drew some parallels to the um, kind of should we be doing this nature of the 04 Olympics to the uh, I guess the 2020 in 2021 Olympics. Yeah, um, a lot of that was well, how much of that should we do this was travel related in 1904. A lot of it. Like before that, the Olympics had never, the modern Olympics, the, the, la, the first, the two that preceded it had all been, had all taken place in Europe. So the idea of traveling to the new world in 1904 was, you know, like a, at least a, a couple of weeks on a, on a ship, you know, it's like, a, you know, that's, that's a pretty big, Enterprise. So you know, you figure like, oh, you, you, you travel by ship. Logically, you would to make it convenient for the Europeans. You would have it somewhere on the Atlantic coast. So mm-hmm. at least that part of the travel isn't isn't uh, hard. But instead, no, let's have it in the gateway to the west in the uh, in, in St. Louis, Missouri. You know that uh, you know that 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 shining uh, you know cosmopolitan international uh, city. Yeah. Uh, uh there and it's like so then there was this whole other thing that people had to figure out of like how to get into the middle of the country yeah. in 1904 um 
So uh, not very many nations uh, came. So it was pretty much just like one giant U.S. trials. Um, and uh, and yeah, like, uh, you know, the, 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 the like, um, the issues around facilities, uh, you know, were, were, were sort of persisted during that time. But it was like, you know, the uh, track didn't have lanes and you know the the lake where the swimming competitions were held wasn't level or or, or wasn't uh you know it was like totally out of spec and you know they were just sort of like inventing this thing as they as they went along you had like a a gymnast who uh who was competing on a wooden leg yeah. and a boxer under a false name and it was just totally uh totally wild open wide open and it all sort of exploded spectacularly in the marathon where like uh, most of the field were rank amateurs and uh you know guys who you know the marathon distance had not yet been set uh like all it wasn't standardized all over the world so you had people who were coming in having uh you know won a trial that was like eight miles long and now they're being <laughs> expected to run you know, 25 and uh and just to make things uh, fun and interesting uh, the guy who was uh, running the marathon competition decided like oh wouldn't it be fun if we just uh if we only allowed water breaks at two mile intervals in the uh throughout the whole race so um you know, you had competitors who were like literally breaking down on the side of the road from exhaustion. And uh, oh, then that was the other thing. The roads were, um, in addition to being like various, uh, various elevations and cobblestone streets, uh, you know, like you had uh, were mostly like covered in like thick dust that, oh, by the way, was being uh, kicked up from all of the uh, totally normal traffic that was happening around st louis because uh hey life had to go on and we're not roping this off uh, because like you know the blacksmith still has to like get you know <laughs> the coaches in to work on and all this stuff so um so yeah so you have uh world-class athletes who are supposed to be running a race that's like full of full uh inhaling dust and uh and uh, and you know, guys uh, who are getting uh, chased off of the course by wild dogs. By dogs, that was and... my favorite part. I the guy ran an extra <laughs> mile, right? Because the dogs chased him off the course, the and then he had to find his way back onto course. it. And uh, and then one guy thought he would be a prankster, and then and just like hitch a ride uh, to the stadium, and you know, get off just before it, and run the rest of it, and make it look like. Uh, he was winning the race, even though nobody at the time thought to question how a man could uh, complete a marathon, a twenty-five, uh, a twenty-four mile an hour, a twenty-four mile race, uh, and around three hours. Uh, um, but they were in, they were all ready to uh, to give him a gold medal uh, for for winning until somebody like who had seen him get in the car called him out on it. And then he, um, pre- so he yeah, was, then didn't he, he, you said he pretended that it was all a gag then. Yeah, oh, I was just kidding. I was just kidding. Yeah. You know, yeah. Teddy Roosevelt's daughter is about to put a medal around his neck. And he's like, oh, I was just kidding. Yeah. I, uh, I, I may have hopped right. It's just a joke. It's just a goof. And then, uh, and then also alongside that, they have like, uh, literally an oppression Olympics where they invite a bunch of, uh, Native American tribes because they're, uh, so part of the, 
that should back up. The Olympic, the 1904 Olympics was held in conjunction with that year's World Fair. And the theme for that World's Fair was the centennial of the Louisiana Purchase. And so as part of that, they held like an oppression Olympics where they invited a bunch of Native American tribes to compete in events like uh, dancing and mudslinging and every sort of like, you know, demeaning uh, sort of stereotypical subhuman event that you could possibly think of. Um, and, uh, but also try out some, uh, Olympic style sports, even though, uh, these people, uh, had not trained, uh, were not classically trained as, uh, as athletes. And then, uh, that gave, uh, the, uh, the, uh, white sports writers at the time, a uh, license to, uh, write about how, uh, you know, inferior these, uh, these, uh, tribes people were at, uh, Olympic sports and uh, caused a furor back at home uh, with uh, the then IOC director who was like, this is, this is insane. I can't believe that this has happened. And it's only a matter of time before, you know, people of color are like, you know, fully vested competitors and kicking ass on, on the same field. So it was sort of uh, a, uh, he had a, a nice precedent moment there, but yeah, that the 1904 was just a disaster from, uh, from start to finish. But the most and it important looks like thing history is, repeating. Most important thing is the United States won a lot of medals. Oh right, yeah, exactly. Because like eighty-five percent of the competitors were American. It's like, oh, we kicked that. Yeah, we won like two hundred and thirty medals, and yeah. Germany won like you know ten or something. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Yeah, so you, you wrote in there. I think that um, two of the two of the guys that were there from Africa for the World's Fair for the ran in the marathon, so they became yeah. the first people from the continent of Africa to compete in the Olympics. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I the, that book, uh, devil in the white city, uh, by Eric Larson, which is about the world's fair in Chicago and Daniel Burnham and about the serial killer, H H Holmes. <laughs> um, they, 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 there's a whole, there's an entire thing in that about them literally shipping in people from all over the world. Some of them against their, um, wishes so they can yeah. participate in the exhibits it's like oh for christ's yeah. sakes um yeah and i can't you know the the point that made i would not have even thought about it until you wrote it which is okay so we have this thing in st louis so you you get on a ship and you travel across you get to somewhere on the atlantic coast and then you're like uh, okay, where's St. Louis? Right, yeah. <laughs> they're like, okay, well, basically the right distance you York. just traveled, right. you're going to have to do that again, except there's no water this time. Um, right, yeah. We could take a train that'll almost get you there, uh, then you could take another <laughs> train, it'll take you, I mean, yeah. you got a couple of weeks because we can get you to St. Louis. It's like, oh, great. Right. So another and month out of my life the, to go uh, home, too. My favorite is the Cuban mailman who, yeah. um, who got, uh, whose entire uh, sort of premise for being in the marathon is that he uh was a mailman and his route was was very long and so this was the like this gave him the training to compete in an olympic marathon um and uh this guy got a whole bunch of money from cubans to uh crowd crowdfunded to uh, to compete in the olympics and as soon as his ship uh comes into uh uh, New Orleans, he's immediately sucked into a dice game in which he loses all of the money that was raised <laughs> for him to compete in the Olympics. Whoops. And so he uh, then has to hitchhike from New Orleans to St. Louis and apparently made it just in time for the race. 
for which he was completely overdressed, uh, wearing, you know, like a full, you know, like a dress shirt, long pants, uh, Oxfords, a hat, like this guy, you know, was dressed for, you know, like a supper club more than he was, you know, the, uh, the marathon. And, uh, and of course, you know, he was doing well until he, you know, uh, ate one too many apples, as one does when one one runs past an apple orchard and uh, oh, took a nap, sick. and that was the end of his, yeah. uh, <laughs> and that was the end of his race. Well, it's ironic. I don't know if you know this. Uh, Frank Shorter used to run in uh, in Oxford. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. He just liked the look, and he wasn't terribly functional. <laughs> um, tried to see if Nike would make him some, but they wouldn't do it. So he just ran him with tips. <laughs> Could be why he never, I don't think he ever meddled. I did think yeah. it was, uh, you know, so Rosie Ruiz obviously is famous for, um, that was the New York City Marathon, right, where she trimmed a few miles off. Little did we know that uh, that almost a century before, somebody had already yeah. tried that stunt in the Olympics. Yeah. But it's weird how, like, the marathon, like, that sort of collection of, people became sort of what marathons have become where you have like, you know, people in bear suits, you know, pe- like the clowns and then, you know, people who are cheating and, and then like these super serious people who are also like, you know, uh, time trialing to, uh, to get to the next thing, to get to the next thing that gets them in like New York or the, or, you know, the U S trials or something like that. I'm just like how the marathon became this sort of like, populist free-for-all that you know that uh it doesn't sort of matter your level of uh of running ability but you can get a piece of this thing that's actually like a pretty important sporting event in yeah. a way that you can't just like you know shooting hoops at a bally's fitness and be like well you know like if i'm actually <laughs> you know if i make like 10 of these in a row like i could potentially you know you know, make the practice squad for Team USA. It's like so, so weird like that. Yeah. I can I can hold my breath underwater for almost a minute. So I th- yeah. I, I would like to swim in the Olympics. Uh, right. That's yeah. not. Uh, that's yeah, not put the, me in the lane next thing. to Lochte. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, but he can't hold his breath for a minute. Yeah, I don't think he needs. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I guess the last thing I want to ask you is. Um, is there, is there an athlete that's or a or an event that's kind of off the radar for these Olympics that you're interested in that you think we should pay? You're going to give us a tip, like, "Ooh, pay attention to this. It's going to be cool." Um, so I, well, I have one that's not so off the radar, but I'm interested. Oh, that's fine. In, Whatever's whatever and interests one, you. And one and one that is interesting. Okay, to me. perfect. The the not off the radar is. Novak Djokovic going for a golden slam. He's like the most unstoppable thing in the, in sports right now. Just uh, buzzed through uh, the first three slams of the year. Is the overwhelming favorite to uh, to win the U.S. Open. It'd be the first time since Rod Laver that we've had like a a full calendar slam champion, and the first time ever that we've had a golden slam. Yeah. Um, so like he goes from being the sort of, uh, the pesky kid who's sort of breaking up this most, 
lovely rivalry between uh, Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal to potentially overtaking them as the greatest uh, of, of the three of them, uh, not least by virtue of having completed a, a career slam, a calendar slam twice in his career if he if he if he gets if he gets the U.S. Open and then the gold, which neither of them have gotten in a slam. Um, so that's that's the not so obvious one. Or that's the obvious one. The not the less I forget what the categories were. The this sort of off the beaten path one is literally near and dear to me. Uh, about a quarter mile down the road from me, there's a kid named uh, C.J. Cummings, who's uh, a 21 year old weightlifter who happens to be like uh, the third or you know best. Uh, 173 kilogram weightlifter in the world, and uh, he uh, he owns like every American weightlifting record there is in his various weight classes, plus like a slew of uh, world records. And uh, he has a chance to uh, sort of restore some uh, some glory to the USA Weightlifting Federation, which is sort of struggle to uh, reprise its uh, former uh, former uh, performance-enhancing uh, <laughs> drug yeah. glory. Uh, so, uh, and he had a chance to make the team, he had to make a chance to make Rio as a teenager, but I, he missed it by like, you know, a handful of points in a competition and he, we, he'd be going into his second Olympics. Um, so uh so he's a guy that you know will be a very big deal and very exciting for me here locally in uh in south carolina and in this community in particular um but he's really he's a really uh, great kid and i just marvel at how you know pretty much since he was a toddler he has been like singularly focused <laughs> on becoming a an olympic weightlifter uh, but then he said, once that's done, he wants to be the rock. He wants to be an actor yeah. <laughs> and jump out of burning buildings and, <laughs> uh, and, and save pretty girls and stuff like that, which I think is hilarious. Yeah. So the next time you, and also him, not, not beyond him. Next time you interview him, ask him in weightlifting, why do they, why can't they just set the weights down? Why do they have to throw, why do they just have to drop them? It just, it's yeah. like, you know, somebody else has to lift those weights after you. Do you, you know, what if you break one? Just Part of it should be okay. You get it over your head, and then you have to just calmly yeah, just to set, set it. it gently, you have to set it yeah. down. You have to complete. Yeah. See if it was if it was football, you wouldn't have completed the action right. of the weightlift until you set the. You have to you have to get the weights put back down instead of just dropping. Right. Mostly it's because the, um, I know what's going to happen. People at the people at the Y that I go to are going to watch the weightlifting, and then for the next month we're going to have to listen to all of them just drop the weights. Yeah. Look at you know you don't get to, you're not on the Olympic team. You have to actually put Drop them back the on the weights rack. and then and then roar. Yeah, it's uh, a lot. Of, yeah, a lot of yeah. weird grunting going on. Yeah. All right. Well, this was fun. Yeah. Um. So. Um, wow. No bears talk. I'm surprised. Oh, do we, we do, do bear we talk. Do you, you want to do? You want to do bear talk? Let's do bear talk. I. I. Uh, I. I can't say that. Uh, what happened? Oh yeah, we we drafted a quarterback. Yeah, they have a quarterback. It might be good. Yeah, I don't love the Ohio Stateness of it, but I just love that that guy was so pissed that he went that late. And I feel like I can work with that. I can work with a guy who's got a grudge. Uh, we haven't had we haven't had many of those. It it was the whole draft was very surreal to me. 
because you know the Bears had they they had underwhelmed. Um, they they signed Andy Dalton, which is very close to my name. You just you <laughs> take a T out and move a couple things around, and you got me. Um, minus the shocking red hair. Yeah. And it just felt like okay, they're gonna have they're gonna have Andy Dalton and then Nick Foles and then they're gonna wait till like the fourth round and they're gonna draft somebody and we're just gonna be stuck in this thing again. So just watching the draft, you know, typing smart ass things about what was going on, and um, you just saw Justin Fields, because you know, there was a whole thing. Well, maybe quarterbacks will go one, two, three. You know, if well right. if that happens, yeah. then there's not gonna be anybody who's who the Bears would want who's gonna slide far enough down for them to jump up because they were picking 20th and there was no way they were going to be able to move up into the top five and so it was the most disinterested I'm just watching the draft watching the draft and then all of a sudden the bar on the bottom of the screen you know with the next pick turns bright orange and it says next selection Chicago Bears I literally just about shit my pants (laughs) I was like oh my god and then the only fear was they were going to draft Mac Jones yeah, it's like no. Now you've got to the right spot, and you're going to screw it up by picking right, the most yeah. average, barrel-chested yeah, dope. And they yeah. didn't. They actually picked the guy that was like, "Oh my god, this might actually work." Yeah, <sighs> but the thing I hate about it is that like Ryan Pace mm-hmm. got a makeup pick. I'm just like, you very clearly made a mistake. Yes. <laughs> Own that mistake. <laughs> We never should have been in the Mitch Trubisky business. Yeah. You know, like this was a smart thing, but this this is to recover from the very stupid thing that you did before. That. It it can never be overstated. Just what a colossal fuck up the Mitch pick was on yeah. so many levels. Um, I mean, stuff we learned about how they really um, they they talked to Deshaun Watson at the combine. That was it. They were just completely yeah. out. They paid a little lip service to Mahomes, but they they weren't that the Bears were not an organization that could look at somebody running that um, you know whatever the what do they call that ridiculous offense that they run out there um, the spread yeah but even more of the Mike Leach version of it that um, oh well uh, the the uh, whatever the thing oh the um, I know what nobody had ever none of those quarterbacks had ever turned out. Yeah. But every, all their coaches were saying that Patrick Holmes is not. He's no. There's never been anybody like him that ran that offense before. Yeah. The yeah. Bears were not going to be the team that was going to figure that out. In fact, I, in fact, I almost, I almost absolved them of the air raid. Exactly. Yeah. I almost, I almost absolved them of that, and was just pissed that they. So they they lock in on Mitch, and then Pace spends the rest of the draft prep just convincing everybody in the building that Mitch is the pick instead of soliciting ideas and what do you think is basically, yeah. oh, Mitch is great. Don't you think Mitch is great? I think Mitch is great. You, you think Mitch is great, right? Don't you think Mitch is great? Yeah. And then completely misreading the draft to the point where they felt they had to dra- they had to trade up one spot. Nobody was coming to get Mitch at yeah. two. They didn't need to move to two. It was dumb enough they were going to pick him at three. So you've got and who knows what'll happen with Deshaun just because of the whole legal stuff but um yeah. you've got a you've got a guy who's already going to the Hall of Fame that was picked after Mitch Deshaun obviously yeah. very good quarterback much much better than anything that they had and the fact that you you had your choice and you screwed it up that bad that should yeah. be that's a fireable offense you should not be able to survive that yeah you should not be able to get you 
you shouldn't be able to pick again. And you're 100 percent right. And, they, he... and the and the other really uh, the other part that pissed me off, just sort of looking back at the whole situation, was um, even in Kansas City, which was doing well with Alex Smith, you'd hear the stuff out of training camp that was like, "Yeah, you know, Alex, you know, he looks great." But this rookie is just doing stuff yeah. we have never seen before. Like it is really a matter of time. They're like this scout team is amazing. With this, I don't know who this, where this rookie <laughs> came from, but holy god, it's yeah. Like Alex's days are numbered. Like you just heard that as the Chiefs are like running away with the AFC West. Yep. Like yeah, yeah, this is great. But like he's just keeping the seat warm. Yeah, and they got they gave Mahomes that the token start in week seventeen because they'd already wrapped up their playoff position, right? And so that got that got retconned later into them talking about how well, you know, he he wasn't ready. There's a lot of elements of running an NFL right. offense that he hadn't done, whatever. And then he admitted to that, but then later he clarified it and said, "I wasn't ready week one. I would have been ready right. like week four. I didn't right. need to sit sixteen weeks." I could have. Right. I if they needed me after a month into the season, I would have been ready to go. And that's obviously yeah. is completely believable when you watch him play. So yeah, so there the Bears are, and then so the fear, of course, is that um, we they're just handing Justin Fields over to Matt Nagy, yeah, and saying, "All right, now here's you, 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 you can make this work, right?" When we saw, and you know, with Mitch. I know there was a lot of things they couldn't do because they had Mitch. Yeah. But at the same time, you they tried to do a lot of shit that he couldn't do. And how much of coaching is taking the players that you have and trying to maximize like what they can actually do? Like throw to the left side of the field? Right, right. <laughs> the one little problem with that was just half the field. Um, so on one hand, you can say, all right, he's... Justin Fields is is not going to have the limitations that Mitch put on that offense. But the other thing is, right. how confident are we that Nagy's going to be able to figure out what he really does well and do it? Because yeah. he couldn't do it with Mitch. And right. maybe Mitch was just so limited that there you couldn't make that work. But uh, I really would like to have seen them. I'm glad, I'm super glad they have Justin Fields. It's amazing. I'm, I'm excited for a bear season that I was not going to be excited for. Um, but I just feel like oh, it would have been so much better if they just handed all of it over to somebody else. That's the thing that troubles me is I feel like institutionally, I don't think the Bears have ever had a structure for developing a talented quarterback, even if they're ever – you know, if one ever walked in the building, they, um, they really haven't had a, 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 a anything put in place to have a successful offense, quarterback right. or anybody. I mean, like philosophically, they don't. They've the, never this known is a, who they wanted to be as an offense. This is a franchise who Johnny Morris is still their leading all-time receiver. It's so Drew, he caught. He has five thousand yards. Five thousand. We looked it up one time. Uh, Jerry Rice had a like a two and a half season run where he gained 5,000 yards. <laughs> and Johnny played like eight years for the bears and he's 5,000 yards. It's, it's, it's yes, it's true that they haven't had a quarterback to help, but they just, they, they, the, for, the forward pass was a, a, like a rumor to them for a very long time. Well, the thing that kills me and that would sealed it as far as like the, the lack of, uh, 
sort of uh, offensive infrastructure, uh, coaching infrastructure there was, um, was when Kyle Orton went to Denver. And I was like, this guy, you're talking like he is, he can't run your like rudimentary West Coast offense. He's going to Denver and just lighting it up, you know, uh, throwing bombs to Ashley Lalee and like whoever else was there at the time. And I'm just like, the problem isn't with these guys. I'm willing to bet that even a third of these guys could have been workable under the right uh, system or the right circumstances. But it's just... Yeah, there's there's so much rot in that organization. It's just yeah, like, it's possible. And we look how, at how them. they even got the first Super Bowl is just like amazing. Yeah, <laughs> in retrospect. Well, that that's 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 kind of informative. So they, um, Jim McMahon was a quarterback unlike any quarterback they had ever they'd ever tried before. Right. He was a pay. He was a pass first guy. He wasn't terribly big, which ended up being a problem because it was part of the reason he got hurt yeah. so much. Um. But he could really throw, and he knew how to throw. Yeah. He'd been at BYU where they threw all the time. Right. And um, he also had the perfect attitude for the team he was joining because right. Ditka was going to be this, you know, actually, he, um, yeah, Ditka was going to be this, like, omnipresent, um, we're going to do it this way, and they really needed a quarterback who was going to be like, no, that's not going to work. Change of plays yeah. in the huddle. You know, Dickus sends yeah. one in, and McMahon's like, that thing's, "That's not going to work. Let's run this." Yeah. Um, because they, they, he, he had to. He, the quarterback had to take more ownership with the offense than they'd ever done before because it wouldn't work otherwise. Yeah. That's not how it's supposed to work. It's not <laughs> your quarterback shouldn't have to freelance for you to have a passing mm-hmm. game. But that's really what right. happened, and it was part of the reason why whenever he would be out, they would be so limited. Um. You know they could they win they won games with Steve Fuller, but that was mostly because the defense was scoring points. <laughs> and, um, right. But without McMahon, they the offense was nowhere near as good as it was, and um, and then they never. It's just a lot of incompetence. There's no other way to put it. It just yeah. you know, and they they did have a really talented quarterback for I don't know how many years Jay was there eight years, and he had his own limitations. Yeah. But mostly and he was bored. Yeah. <laughs> like he didn't have a staff that was challenging him in the same way that. Uh, well, and they know, also they I did not. Shanahan was. And they they wouldn't prioritize the offensive line, so right. he was getting annihilated. Yeah. And that's you know it's like okay wh- why did you trade all those picks to get a quarterback if then you're just going to be like oh well you just have to figure it out because we can't block anybody because yeah. um, we need to have we need to have we need to spend our money on nine of the best defensive linemen we could possibly find. <laughs> Right. Yeah. It's like, we guys, need, the defense need, is good we enough. Need, we need to spend we need money eight somewhere else. Linebackers, in addition to making her Lockman the highest paid. Yeah. So, but yeah, it'll be. You know, there's a lot of talk about. Well, you know, poor, poor Justin Fields. They're going to rush him into the lineup because um, Nagy and Pace need to um, need to, to save their jobs. They save their jobs. Yeah. They're not getting fired after this year. Yeah. Honestly, the easiest way for them to guarantee that they're back next year is for him to not play. Because yeah. they can bank on the promise of Justin Fields for as long as possible. Now, they're not going to do that yeah. because at some point, Nagy's not going to be able to look the rest of the team in the eye when they're watching practice and keep running Andy Dalton out there. Um, yeah. But this idea that, well, they're going to rush him because they're going to need to save their jobs. Their jobs, as far as I could tell, their jobs are not in jeopardy. They save their jobs on drafting. 
This is not a referendum year. Maybe next year, but this year they're fine. And then we had the crazy thing where at the end of the season press conference, nobody would admit how many years Nagy and Pace have left on their contracts. <laughs> they were like, did you sign Did you sign an extension? Oh, I don't talk about uh, personnel uh, contracts. And even Hub Arkish well, is well, like, actually, we're not talking Hub's about like, personnel. We're Hub's like, about we're talking money. about you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how many years yeah. is left on your deal? I don't really want to talk about that. So, yeah. yeah, we're stuck with these stooges for, for another year. All we can do is hope that they uh, – Justin is so good that they can't screw it up. Yeah. Not a lot. Well, yeah. We're not asking. We're not putting that much on poor Justin Fields. Just got to be another McMahon. <laughs> you just have to be – you just have to become the – in your first year, you just need to become the second greatest quarterback this franchise has <laughs> ever had. In the history of the franchise. Yeah. And you'll be fine. All right. Well, good. Yeah, I'm glad we talked – something yeah. other than Olympics. But I really appreciate this. I With the Olympics coming up, I wanted to talk to somebody who would know what he was talking about, and you were the first person I thought of. Wow. It's certainly not me. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm touched. So uh, let's do this again, and we don't have to wait uh, 15 years. Uh, yeah, to do yeah I'm, in, I'm into it. All right, cool. Well, thank you. We uh, might have a cool Bulls team to talk about uh, this fall, so yeah. We could. I... Um, that was another thing, the whole idea that, well, they didn't make the playoffs, the trade was a disaster. It's like, no, he didn't no, sign him for the rest really of good. Yeah, in fact, it almost worked out perfect. Where, yeah. they, where they almost, you know, if, they, if, they, if the lottery balls had fallen just right, they get Vucevic, and they would have had a top four draft pick, which, yeah. uh, but it didn't. Yeah, I mean, how what they're going to have to do to, um, I mean, that's, that's probably a topic for, we could do a whole podcast about that, maybe we should, when basketball season rolls around. But the whole idea that all they need to do is find a point guard. It's it it's kind of that simple, but it's not that simple. Yeah. Um, it's just not that simple. But yeah, they were I mean, obviously they were they they had injuries and weird COVID stuff after the trade. Um but when they were a full unit, they were a lot of fun to watch. Which they, they had not fun. been. So that was yeah. that was great. All right. Well we'll we'll pick that up some other time then. Okay. Yeah, that's what we call a tease, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. All right. Well, thank you, Drew. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Many of us have herpes. 